Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. I hope you are ready to vote on Monday. Early voting starts in Texas. Statewide primary elections, a lot of activity, a lot of people trying to figure out how they can get good information, how they can find out you know, where candidates stand on important information, all very relevant. And there continues to be a lot of talk about the Texas heartbeat law, what the courts are going to do on those issues, a lot of things that the courts are wrestling with and the Supreme Court still has to resolve, not only in the pro-life issue, but issues of vaccine mandates, religious freedom, a whole host of things that matter and that are relevant as we get close to Valentine's Day, right? The, the, the sweetheart day, and that's when early voting starts in the state of Texas. But I'm excited today because we have a great guest today. Speaking of the Texas heartbeat law and all the great things it's doing every week, more and more articles come out. Every week, more and more information comes out about the life-saving impact that the Texas heartbeat law is having. And so we got a great guest today, none other than the author of the Texas heartbeat law, Senator Brian Hughes. You know him well, if you've been uh, tuned into this show before, he's been a frequent guest of ours, someone we've worked with for many, many years. Uh, Not only did he serve, does he serve in the Senate, but he served in the Texas House for many sessions, distinguished himself quite well as a pro-life leader, particularly a leader on issues of religious freedom. And then Uh, moved over to the Texas Senate and is now the chairman of Senate State Affairs, but probably most well-known, he's the author of the Texas Heartbeat Law. Senator Hughes, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Jonathan, man, it's always, it's always, I don't want to use the word fun, but yes, it's fun uh, to to get to to talk about these things with you. Obviously, you're there in all those fights and every battle and behind the scenes out front. And so in days like this, when we're enjoying great victories the Lord's giving us. Yeah, it's it's great to be back on, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I'm going, you know, you can't see Senator Hughes because sometimes in order to have these kind of conversations, we've got to schedule things with uh, members of the, the legislature and our elected officials uh, whenever we can. And so, but he is going to be on audio, so you're going to see his name. And I'm checking um, our Facebook so I can share this. And so, If you're watching on Facebook, share this, like this, put it up into some groups because we're going to have a a very important and an interesting conversation with Senator Hughes. So I'm just putting that on my phone right now. So y'all see, I follow my own advice. Um, But it's good to have Senator Hughes on because I was just reading this morning. There's several articles that are quoting this different data that's coming out of our state agencies talking about that abortions are down 60% last year. And I think it's probably even more than that, but at least some of the data that we're able to, to verify, if you will. But those are lives saved. I mean, you see some different ranges. We say it's over 20,000. The state says it's maybe 14, 15,000. Uh, those are still, and, and look, there's still a lot of lives being lost. There, there's no question about it. I don't want to um, ignore that. But if we can focus on the lives that are being saved, it's absolutely tremendous. And Senator Hughes, I know you've been not only in the state of Texas, but you've been making your way around the country. Everywhere I go, people are excited, encouraged, and optimistic about the life-saving efforts of the Texas heartbeat law. I'd love to hear about your experience. I mean, I I imagine you've been able to travel a little bit. And when you do, uh, I bet people are are excited to see you and and hear the good things that are happening in Texas. Jonathan, people really are. Uh, There's a lot of reasons uh, you know, for for conservatives uh, to look around and, and be discouraged. And, you know, we love our country and we're concerned about the way things are going. 
and uh, there's a lot there's a lot of good news. But when we get something like this, something that we've labored for for so long, and I say we, I mean you, your listeners, uh, people who've been praying, who've been working for so long, when we get a victory like this, a big victory, man, it is such an encouragement. It is such a boost. It's a reminder for us to keep on, right, to, to not to faint. Uh, because uh, this works, this matters what we're doing. So yes, everywhere we've gone, it's been a real blessing. We've been uh, to a number of states talking about the Texas heartbeat bill in North Carolina, been to Florida, been of course to Washington, D.C., in a number of states in between, uh, connecting with state legislators there also as they work on their own heartbeat laws patterned after this Texas law. And uh, we're just encouraged. And you know this, I'm sure you're going to cover this, but the Supreme Court in that, in that, uh, big opinion when they let the the law stay in place they specifically said other states are free to do what texas has done now you and i already knew that we were already saying that but it's nice when the supreme court says it too that's pretty well and look i mean and we're talking with senator hughes chairman of senate state affairs here in texas the author of the texas heartbeat law you know this case all right the texas heartbeat law this law has been before the u.s supreme court Three times. One, two, three. Okay. I mean, it's hard for me to think of other state laws that have been up to the Supreme Court three times and continue to prevail. But that's the case with the Texas heartbeat law. And you and I, being fellow attorneys, I'm I'm in my 19th year of being licensed to practice law. Uh, That's about as good as it gets. You know, when your law, when your issue goes up to the Supreme Court, not once, not twice, but three times the Supreme Court has a chance to take a look at it and you continue to prevail. I don't know that you can get in a, any stronger position legally. And what you and I know as well and others, that means for this term, if you will, the Supreme Court usually finishes up their business at the end of June. Nothing is going to change as far as the enforceability of the Texas heartbeat law um, between now and then. The, the U.S. Supreme Court has spoken very clearly. Now, there's a couple of things happening in some of the lower courts um, where the abortion side is really desperate and, you know, grappling for some way to change things. But there's no real legal pathway for them to do that. And if there is, um, if there's a narrow road for them, it, it's somewhere way down the road, if at all. And so that's something we can feel really good about, I think, as Texans. And we look at those numbers. But I do think people really are also starting to connect with the issue and sort of say, you know, that's right. Wait a minute. A baby is a heartbeat at such an early stage. Yeah, that makes sense. That the baby should be protected. Jonathan, I think you're right. People get it, and you know they tell us uh, a lot of times on the left, uh, they uh, they claim to be, they want to be the side of science. Of course, they're not, but they say follow the science, follow the science. Well, following the science, man, that heartbeat is the universal sign of life. And you'll recall the expert medical testimony before the Senate Committee on State Affairs when this bill was heard. And, and the, the 30-year OBGN who testified said, yes, that fetal heartbeat is a sign of life. And he also, obviously, he also said that medically, that fetal heartbeat is the best predictor of a live birth. Once that fetal heartbeat is detected, that's the best evidence that medical science has that that little baby will come to term and be delivered uh, healthy. No, it, so, uh, it was quite, yeah. it's quite extraordinary. We're talking with Senator Hughes, a Texas Senator, Chairman of Senate State Affairs, and also the Texas Heartbeat Law author. And it looks, it's been almost a year now, Senator Hughes, right? You're going to take me back in, into time when we were there that night, that day that turned into night in the Senate chamber for your committee hearing on your bill on the Heartbeat Law. 
Um, you'll recall I was the last one to testify. It was close to midnight. Um, there was extraordinary testimony that day. There was extraordinary scientific testimony. There was personal testimony. This is a personal issue. The first time that a mother hears that baby's heartbeat, that the father hears, that the family really connects with that, it's so special, but it's so valuable. But I think it connects for all of us when we think about you know, our own humanity, how important that detection of a heartbeat, not only at the beginning of life, but certainly other stages too, and the significance of it, and to your point, the scientific relevance of it is undeniable. So a couple of weeks ago, we missed each other, but I was in D.C. as well for the March for Life. Um, yep. I had a, a, a more particular duties. I was a chaperone for my students' uh, high school group that was up there for the March for Life. And, you know, if you've ever been a chaperone for high school students, you know, you really have to stay close by, right? You got to, and, and they're, they're good kids, but there were thousands of people, right? You don't want to lose someone. Uh, but I did see some of your posts on social media. I did see your friend in person, Father Frank Pavone, even though it was not at his event. Um, and I couldn't get over to the event on that morning, I believe, of the March for Life. But I hear that you got an award. You were recognized for the heartbeat law in your pro-life efforts that day. Jonathan, it was really something. You mentioned Father Pavone, priest for life, a real hero, a real celebrity, as you know, uh, in pro-life and circles of justice circles a wonderful man great speaker and so yes that morning they had a had a prayer service uh at, at constitution hall the one in washington wonderful event uh people there from all ages all races uh different denominations and uh really just to celebrate and to thank the lord and to pray uh pray for our country uh pray for innocent human life to be protected and yes they were so kind they, they gave us an award uh from the from priest for life and the national Religious Pro-Life Council. They also honored uh, the legislators from Mississippi, uh, as you know, who have the 15-week ban uh, that's at issue in the Dobbs case. It was a wonderful time. And uh, it was, yeah, it was really a special time. You're right. There was so much going on. And, and Jonathan, you talked about those high school students. One of the brightest, maybe one of the brightest spots in the pro-life movement is all those students, man. You know, in America, you've seen the polling. In America today, the younger you are, the more likely you are to be pro-life. They get it. They've grown up with the science. They get it. And it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. We're winning legislation, but we're winning hearts and we're winning minds. And and, uh, and I know you're, you're at the front of that battle. You know what I'm talking about. No, you're absolutely right. We're talking with Senator Brian Hughes, author of the Texas Heartbeat Law, the pro-life movement being a youth movement. Uh, you know, and you saw that on display in Washington, D.C. You also saw it on display here in Austin, with, with during the Texas Rally for Life. So I was in D.C. with my oldest son and his group. My younger son is in eighth grade. He's now helping lead a pro-life student group at his middle school. And I couldn't be more prouder of him. And it was really a lot of it was his idea. I think I rubbed off on him a little bit, but I was so excited to see him be a part of an event while I was at another part of the country and to see him really kind of continue that legacy. But it, it was a demonstration too of a lot of young people being interested in this issue. It's simple for them. It's something they connect to. And, uh, and, and so it's exciting for them to see, for young people to see a role that they can play and how important it can be for them to be involved in this movement. I mean, look, I was born in 1973. Okay. I've been around on this issue for a long time and I know you have as well. And so it's good to see those younger generations come up. And for them to be that public witness in that voice and such a voice of love, too. When you think about protecting innocent human life and having that sensitivity and tenderness uh, for life 
that is about love. I mean, that is about caring for our fellow man, for, for the most vulnerable. And we see with the Biden administration and so many government officials, it continues to be under attack. I mean, so we know you and I were there in November and I think in December for different Supreme Court hearings talking about the Mississippi case. But the Supreme Court has made it clear that lawsuit by the Biden administration against the Texas heartbeat completely gone, thrown out. I mean, I think it was was um, was unanimous or I forget what the where the numbers fell. But I mean, done. I mean, super victory on that. Man, you are so right. They, they took this remarkable position that the federal government could sue a state. That just doesn't happen. Federal government sue a state because they don't like our laws. It was such a victory for the Constitution, for that separation of powers, right, and the division of power between federalism between the state and the federal government. And you're right. Even the liberals on the court just shook their heads and said, no, you can't do that. That case was thrown out on its ear as it should have been. And I'll tell you what, Jonathan, I'm glad you mentioned that. I don't want to get too far afield, but the ruling uh, in the Texas heartbeat case, the one you and I were there for the arguments in November, and when the Supreme Court came down with that ruling, yes, they said our law could stay in place, which was, which was tremendous, saving thousands of lives. But they also, Jonathan, they reaffirmed many decades-old precedents about, about the power of the states, about federalism, about the limited power of the courts how the courts are not supposed to be dictators. They're not the king. They don't make law. They call balls and they call strikes. And that opinion was such a wonderful opinion for limited government, for constitutional governance. It was a wonderful flag-waving American opinion in so many ways. No, I agree 100%. We're talking with State Senator Brian Hughes, the author of The Heartbeat Law. And since you're going to throw out a baseball reference and we're getting close to baseball season Starting, I know uh, my boys are, 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 they've already started their baseball season. One of them is, but we, you know, we put out a quote yesterday because we have joined an amicus brief where Texas Rights Alive and, and this gentleman, Mark Lee Dixon and others have been attacked by the pro-abortion movement. They're trying to shut down free speech and people right. talking about the real reality of, of how an abortion uh, ends a human life, how it can accurately be described as murder. And so- yes. But I used a reference and it was sort of a quote, right? When you think about the Texas heartbeat law, when it's been up to the Supreme Court three times, that's three strikes and you're out, you know, in my book, okay? Um, but it's, you know, when you see these different things happening, it's relevant. I've seen several states now that I think West Virginia, just this morning or yesterday, they, they had a committee that voted out a 15-week ban on abortions. We see other states doing the similar things. Several states have proposed uh, a heartbeat law similar in nature and in structure and design to the Texas heartbeat law. There is truly some momentum and we're building towards the end of June, right? This is the last moment where they're going to make a decision about this 15 week ban out of Mississippi. Not only is it a ban on abortion starting at 15 weeks, but the legal significance of it, it's a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. The cases that deal with abortion related and pro-life laws don't always set up that way legally. This one does. And so we're going to find out. And usually, you know how the courts, they'll wait till the end for some of the considered more controversial uh, decisions to come out. They could roll sooner, but we're definitely going to know by the end of June. Um, and, and we're going to see a different landscape. I do think it's a potential of Roe versus Wade being overturned. We're already doing that work in Texas. We've got a great website set up, TexasHeartbeatLaw.com, where we've been helping people connect with the Alternatives to Abortion Program, the Texas Pregnancy Care Network, a lot of the great work of you and your colleagues making sure 
that close to $100 million over a two-year cycle is available for women to help. Talk a little bit about why that's so important for this issue. Jonathan, that is the best-kept secret of the pro-life movement in Texas. And you were there, and you and I were there, and when it was founded back 16 years ago, we realized we had all this federal money, federal family planning money, and then state money. And much of that money was going to the abortion industry. So we, we took that money away from the abortion industry. And then uh, we found a way to direct that to really help women through pregnancy centers, through adoption. And so, yes, the Alternatives to Abortion program, it provides tangible help to those moms. And we realized that these mothers facing a difficult pregnancy, an unexpected, unplanned pregnancy, many of them are young, uh, don't have resources, don't know what their options are. And so the Alternatives to Abortion program we come alongside those moms with encouragement, with information, and yes, with tangible help. Uh, my goodness, parenting classes, baby formula, diapers, car seats, baby clothes, job placement. If they decide to place their baby up for adoption, there's tangible help there because, you know, that's an expensive, difficult process. We smooth that process. And Jonathan, last year in that Alternatives to Abortion program, over 100,000 mothers and adoptive parents were helped. And we knew with the Texas heartbeat law that there would be more babies living, more moms needing help. And so you're right. We increased that funding to $100 million. We'll be coming back next session for more money. We realize that the left accuses us of not being pro-life. You don't really care about the baby after they're born. Of course we do. We care about the baby and we care about that mother. And you know this, we are proving in Texas that we can save the baby's life while we love and respect and support the mother. The left says we have to choose one or the other. No, we can love them both. And that's what we're doing. No, that's absolutely right. And, and it's such encouraging. You know, our friend Abby Johnson says that $200 can be the difference in whether a mother decides to keep her child or to, to go through with an abortion. You know, in the grand scheme of things, wow. such a small amount of money, but in that moment, that amount of money, that, um, you know, that, that ability to access support and resources can be a difference of life and death. And so I'm so excited about the work that you and other state leaders have done to protect and to make that effort stronger. Well, you can find more information about that at TexasHeartbeatLaw.com. Listen, Senator Hughes, I know you've got continued work to do and, and there's continued value in the work that you're doing. Your time is valuable. We're so excited that you took a little time to come talk with us. We're so appreciative of the friendship that we continue to have with you and your team and the value that it continues to produce. And just again, another opportunity to say thank you for all that you're doing to protect innocent human life in Texas and now throughout the country. Hmm. Jonathan, we thank the Lord for you and your team and all those who support your work and pray. Uh, it matters. It matters. We always know it matters. But days like today, we see the tangible reminders, thousands of lives saved. So thank God for you. Well, God bless you, Senator Hughes. Senator Brian Hughes, the author of the Texas Heartbeat Law, has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. All right, we're going to let Senator Hughes go, and then I've got a couple of comments I want to continue to make because there are quite a few issues I want to make sure you're aware of. Uh, there's certainly the Texas Heartbeat Law, the latest on that. As you heard me mention, we're now involved in a case that's before the Texas Supreme Court, or a request has been made for the Texas Supreme Court to hear a case that relates to protecting the free speech of people from the pro-life viewpoint to make it clear that abortion entities and others cannot restrict us from talking about these issues. And a lot of it has been really come up to the surface more because of the discussion 
about the Texas heartbeat law and other pro-life efforts. You know, there's been there were two other laws that were passed last year that were pro-life, one that bans mail order abortions. In the state of Texas, that's something that the federal government has been allowing and, and really been giving cover for, in my opinion, and supporting. Not so in Texas. Okay, It's illegal to do that. you got to have uh, a meeting with a doctor. There's got to be safety regulations in place. We also passed a law that makes it clear if Roe versus Wade is overturned, we go back to laws that were on the books before in the state of Texas, and then we can ban abortion as well with that law. And so, uh, you know, a lot of important things that happen on that issue, which is related to people talking about the issue more, and then sometimes being more demonstrative about it, right? Being more open and public about it as the support continues to grow and people connect more and understand this issue. So we were a part of an amicus brief that was filed by Texas Right to Life and, and many other organizations that support innocent human life. That was filed earlier this week. Um, and, and part of the issue is you've had one state appeals court in the state of Texas um, rule in favor or rule uh, have a decision that supports free speech for pro-life groups and individuals in, in, in a particular uh, court of appeals that did not. So when you have a split, if you will, between different courts of appeals in the state of Texas, that gives you an opportunity to ask the Supreme Court to make a ruling and to have one consistent standard. So go to our website, check out our social media sites. You can see a link to that amicus brief, that legal brief that we helped file um, or we signed on to to support this effort. Look, we don't just work on policy and legislative issues. We'll get involved in court cases. We'll get involved in getting down involved in local issues as well. And we've got some great resources too. If you wanna learn about what some of the rights are for churches during this election season, can you talk about elections? Yes, a church and a pastor can talk and remind people there's an important election. As a matter of fact, election day is um, early voting, excuse me, starts on Monday, uh, Valentine's Day, Monday, February 14th, early voting starts in the state of Texas. This is for primary elections. Uh, throughout the state of Texas. This is the Republican Party, the um, Democrat Party, and whatever parties that are getting themselves involved deciding this is the candidate we think is best to move forward for the general election in November. Some areas, some state races and others were, are decided in large part because of what happens in the primary. And I'm not saying that, that there aren't things that can happen in November, but a lot of times, um, you know, the, the party that win, or whoever wins that nomination is going to be in a strong position to win in November. So don't overlook this and think, oh, I'll just wait until November where it matters more. Um, you know, you could argue sometimes it matters more what your decision is and, and how you get, you get involved in the elections during the primary season. So everything I have just said, a pastor and a church can talk about on Sunday or different times of the year. They can put out an email. They can let people know. They can help people register to vote. The deadline to register to vote for this election has passed, but those are things that you can do legally. If you want to talk about what the Bible says on some of the issues that people care about and are going to ask candidates about and voters are going to care about, where they stand on the issue of life, where they stand on the issue of religious freedom, where do they stand on vaccine mandates, and um, government forcing people to go against their rights of conscience when they think sometimes there are um, there are methods and there are substances used in vaccines that people find ob objectionable. Um, uh, body parts of babies, of fetal tissue from aborted uh, babies, those kind of things can be very important. These are all things that churches and pastors can talk about um, from the pulpit on Sunday at a church. And so, um, and they can be very important for people to know when they're thinking about um, the value, right, and um, of biblical citizenship, of, you know, making sure that you understand not only the right to vote, but the importance of being involved in the election process 
and taking time to actually go vote and being an informed citizen as well. And so um, that's something that, you know, look, this is the perfect time to be talking about it. Maybe you could do it once at your church or encourage your pastor to do it. Maybe you could do it um, several times. But I mean, look, if every church would simply just remind people there's a statewide election, you should be taking a look at these issues and deciding what you want to do. Uh, that would be a huge difference and improvement, in my opinion, from what we see now, where a lot of times churches don't even mention that there's an election. They're concerned the ACLU or someone they heard suggested that they're not able to, you know, to share this type of information. That's not true. We've got a, a video actually set up on this that you can check out as well. And remember, you know, we passed a constitutional amendment last year to protect churches. Churches can't be closed down uh, for any reason. And so there's a lot of strength there for religious freedom when you think about these issues. But just as they're kind of run down, I mean, what, what's going to be on the ballot, right? We're in a cycle where if you think about it at the national level, you hear the phrase midterms, right? So there's not a, the president's not on the ballot, but you've got members of the Senate and U.S. Uh, House, the Congress. But it kind of takes a little bit more focus, too, on what's happening at the state level, because in these um, midterm years, if you will, when you don't have a presidential election, you've got statewide elections for the state of Texas. The governor, uh, governor's race is on the ballot, the lieutenant governor's race, the attorney general's race, the agriculture commission, land commission, all the way down the ballot. So all these state races, these state roles where you have an elected official this is the year that all those are on the ballot. So in four years, they won't because most of those are four-year terms, right? So in two years, excuse me, um, you'll go back to the presidential cycle. But every two years, our Texas House, those members have to get reelected. Um, the same for the U.S. House. And so you want to take a look at that and make sure you're aware. And then you've got some local races, too. A lot of times your school board races, your mayor races, those are going to be in May. But sometimes they line up in March and November as well. So take a look. Go all the way down the ballot. Take a look at these issues and take a look at some of the resources we have on our website to educate you, to encourage you about these different issues and how they matter when it comes to the election process. And so there will be a lot of focus on really the mood nationally, a lot of concern and pushback towards vaccine mandates and um, things of that nature. And so and that matters. But you'll see a lot more people with a potential Supreme Court. I mean, a Supreme Court decision that's going to come by the end of June on the issue of life, on the issue of Roe versus Wade. You know, these are things you can be asking candidates and you can be talking about from the pulpit, the relevance of those issues. And so, look, we're just out of about out of time. So we have a long history of educating voters about these issues, letting you know what your rights are. If you have any questions about that, please contact our office, check our website. We've got a lot of great resources. These are just more reasons, okay, reminders of why it's important to invest in the work we do. Make that tax-deductible donation today. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that protects faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. So check our website on how you can support us and tune in next week for more work on faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. And I'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.